The scripture for today is from Mark 8, 31 through 38. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him to it with his disciples, he said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes into the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Coming down on the ground today. Because we're going to get... We're going to get uh, into some exciting things here. Welcome to Family Sunday, everybody. Um, like I said, we love these times. We love engaging with you kids, and uh, we are talking about the cost of following Jesus. Now, how many of you kids have signed up for something in the last year, a sport, maybe a dance team? Um, I know we've got high schoolers that are involved in marching band, orchestra, maybe theater. Any plays? Any, any actors, actresses in here? Yep. So you've signed up for something. You know... One of the most important things to do before you sign up for something is to consider how much is this going to cost, right? At least your parents think about that. How much is this going to cost? Like how much money is it going to cost, but how much running around, driving around am I going to have to do? How many nights of the week is it, right? Sometimes there's always, there's, sometimes there's a uh, financial cost. There's always a time cost to everything. And sometimes there's a physical cost, right? Z's in marching band. You got to have early mornings, hot days, all day out there in the sun. Like you got real cost to the things that you're doing. And it's important to ask yourself, is this thing that I'm doing worth the cost? Is it worth the cost? And that's what we're looking at today in our passage is we're looking at the cost of following Jesus, being on team Jesus. And the question that we're asking ourselves, the question that Jesus wrestles through with us today is, is it worth the cost. Now, let's just remember the context that Eden just read, the, the situation going on in the passage here. Jesus is walking with his disciples. Just picture them on a long walk, and they're heading back towards Jerusalem, where Jesus is going to be put to death. And he turns to them, and he says, hey, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some say John the Baptist, and some say Elijah, and some say a prophet. And he goes, yeah, but who do you say that I am? And Peter pipes up. You know, Peter, he's always willing to get in get in his two cents, right? And he says, you're the Messiah. And he was exactly right. You're the Messiah. Now, kids, when you think about the word Messiah, just think about rescuer. That's the person that all the Jews were looking forward to. It's the person that they thought was going to come in like a general on a horse with a sword and set them free from the Romans. So Peter says, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, yeah, keep quiet about that, Peter. But then, oddly enough, right after that, Jesus starts explaining that he's going to have to suffer He's going to have to die and rise again. And Peter's like, no, Jesus, come here. You're having a bad day or something? You know, like, and he rebukes him. He's like, you don't, you're being such a negative Nancy. Things are going great, right? The, the ministry's going great. Things are skyrocketing. Everybody, there's lots of buzz about you. All the miracles are going wonderful. You got to stop thinking so negatively, Jesus. You know, you have no reason to think so negatively that you're going to die. Now, that's not going to happen. You're going to take over. You're the Messiah. And then Jesus, in turn, does what? 
he rebukes Peter. Anytime you rebuke Jesus, get ready for a rebuke, right? It's coming right back at you. He rebukes Peter. He says, get behind me, Satan. How many things are on your list of what you don't want to hear from Jesus? Get, be, get behind me, Satan, has got to be at the top of the list. It's like, oh, man, that, I must have done something wrong here. And Peter did. He's like, you're not thinking about the things of God. You're thinking about the things of man. In other words, Peter, you've got the wrong idea about me as Messiah. I'm not the, the kind of Messiah that you think that I am. I'm not coming in as a general. I'm not coming in on a white horse to liberate you from the Romans and set you all free. I'm coming to serve and to suffer and to die, just like the, like the suffering servant in Isaiah 53. That's what Jesus is saying. And he says, look, Peter, if you got the wrong idea about me as Messiah, chances are good that you got the wrong idea about you as one of my followers. And so then Jesus goes into it and he says, let me tell you what the truth is about you following me as the Messiah. And he spells it out plainly. So look here, in our text, we're going to see the cost of discipleship, the question of discipleship, and finally, the power for discipleship. So here we go. The cost of discipleship. Whoever wants to be my disciple must do what? Deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. This list. So kids, first of all, deny yourself. You've got a circle on your table, kids. And what I want you to do is take that construction paper circle and draw a diagonal line through it and write the word deny on it. And then tape it to your chest. Okay? Tape it right to your chest. Just like, just like if you see the, something stamped denied, you know, like on a, on a sheet of paper on a loan or something, you, you stamp deny and you tape it to your chest. So you're going to deny yourself. Now, what does it mean to deny yourself? Does this mean Christians cannot have any fun or cannot have any good things or no enjoyment? I don't think so at all. And actually, some Christians throughout history have gotten this part wrong in that they're like, you can't enjoy any good pleasures as a Christian because that's what it means to deny yourself. They're called ascetics, right? And they think is, the more you beat yourself up, the better off you are. Well, we don't even see Jesus doing that when he was here. Jesus enjoyed good drink and good food and good fellowship and parties and weddings. He enjoyed all the good things that God gives us for our enjoyment, right? So to deny yourself isn't so much about going without things, but it's a Jesus-first mentality, that's the way I want you to think about it. To deny yourself is a Jesus-first mentality. And that word deny there in the Greek is the same word that the Bible uses when it says that Peter denied Jesus. Remember Peter? He said he wasn't going to do it, but then he got questioned like, hey, you're one of those disciples. And he's like, no, I don't know the guy. So to deny in this passage, in this context, is more about disowning or renouncing. And so when you deny yourself, you're saying, look, I'm not going to be first anymore. I'm renouncing my, my right to be first, and I'm putting Jesus in that spot. Now Jesus is going to have all the authority in my life. Now Jesus is going to have all the allegiance in my life. And so what does this look like practically? Well, Jesus says, hey, I want you to go do that thing. And you say, mm, I'd really rather not. You go do it because you got a Jesus first mentality. You deny yourself and you do what Jesus is asking you to do. You want to do this thing and Jesus says, no, that's going to destroy you. That's going to be awful for you. I, I, don't, I don't want you to do that. You want to do it anyway, but you say, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have a Jesus first mentality. I'm going to renounce myself, deny myself, and do what Jesus wants you to do. So you step away from yourself being the primary in your life and you make Jesus that. That's what it means to deny yourself. Now, kids, you got the circle, the deny thing taped to your chest? Let's see it. Make sure it's taped there. All right, good. You got a line through it. 
The second thing is you take up your cross. So it gets worse, <laughs> honestly. And all of you have a, a brown cross there with a piece of yarn on it. So I want you to take, now you've got deny yourself on your chest. Take the cross and put it over your head so that the cross is on your back. Okay? So you got deny yourself on your chest and your cross on your back. Because he says, deny yourself and take up your cross. All right? And, and be ready because we're going to use that in a second. So the cross should be on your back. So if it's on your front, flip it around. There you go, Riv. You got it. So then we can see, then we can see both things. Now, this is particularly difficult, this, this take up your cross piece, because, and Ezra, can I have you come on up here? Uh, this is particularly difficult because we don't think of the cross as a terribly negative thing, right? Matter of fact, uh, probably some people in here have a cross necklace on, cross earrings, uh, maybe a couple cross tattoos, you know, because uh, we think the cross is a wonderful sign of our forgiveness, and it is. It means our forgiveness. It means our sins are paid for in Jesus. But back then, the cross was a horrible, horrible picture of Roman torture and execution. Nobody wanted to see a cross, let alone think about taking up a cross. It was a terrible, terrible thing, right? And so we, just to get, give you a little bit of picture here, Jesus is saying, look, I want you to take up the cross and follow me, which means I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. You're also going to have to suffer, and you're also going to have to die to yourself, that's what Jesus is saying here. And you remember when Jesus had to take up his cross, it was so difficult. It was so hard. He couldn't even carry it himself. He had lost so much blood, right? And so he had to have Simon of Cyrene carry it for him. And I want to give you a little demonstration. My guy Ezra here, you want to put on some of these gloves? So this, the, this cross is full of splinters, by the way. Uh, I got some splinters in my hands the other week, so we won't put Ezra through that. But I want kids, you to get an idea of what carrying a real cross would be like. Ezra, I'll help you pick it up. Jesus didn't get gloves, by the way. Yeah, he got lots of slivers were the least of his problems. So Ezra's just going to carry this cross. This is what it was like when a criminal had to carry their cross. They were dragging it up a hill. It was an act of humiliation. It was an act of saying... We've got you, and you're going to be on public display for everybody to see what you did, and then you're going to die on that thing that you carried up this hill. As here, I'll help you. <laughs> Are you good? Okay, you got it. I picked Ezra because he's really super strong, and I didn't want this to crush one of our kids, but, but this is a real deal. Like, it was a heavy thing. It was a burdensome thing. It's not easy. It involves suffering and dying to yourself to take up your cross. So kids... When Jesus says you need to take up your cross and follow me, for, for many of you, that could mean, like, you're, you're really helpful to the kids at school that are getting picked on, right? And maybe some of that picking on comes over to you because you're like, hey, hey, you stand up for that kid that's getting picked on, and then they say, oh, you're going to stand up for him? Well, we're going to pick on you. That's part of what it means to carry your cross, right, to take up your cross and to follow Jesus. Maybe it means, like, these kids are participating in this thing, and you know Jesus wouldn't want you doing that. And so you say, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they think you're weird. They think you're different. You're kind, of a, you're kind of an outsider, right? It's part of what it means to take up your cross and to follow Jesus. For you adults, this might mean for you, you don't get that promotion at work because you refuse to lie and cheat to make a sale. You're just not going to do it to climb the corporate ladder. That's part of what it means to take up your cross, right? 
Um, it, it might mean that you, you don't go out and get wasted on the weekends with your coworkers because that's not what Jesus would want you doing. Right? That's not part of you, that lifestyle. And so you're just not cool. You're not with the in crowd. You don't get all their jokes. You feel like you're kind of an outsider. That's part of what it means to take up your cross. And certainly it can mean just what it says, that for 2,000 years, Christians have actually been dying for their faith in Jesus. And some of us will pay the ultimate price, possibly. Right? Um, I think a lot of Christians say, hey, yeah, I would definitely die for Jesus, and there's really no way to know that you would die for Jesus until that situation comes. Um, But think of your life like a bank account, right? Some of you might be asked to write a check for everything in your life all in one moment and pay the price and die for Jesus. But far more likely, Jesus will ask you to give your life away 50 cents at a time, $1 at a time, $1.75 at a time, one day at a time, and to just consistently die to yourself and give it away day in and day out. That's far, far more likely, and it's actually just as hard to do it that way. Consistently, small amount after small amount after small amount, that's what it means to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. So we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and then he says, follow me. Now, kids, I need somebody to be the line leader. Any, any volunteer to be a line leader? You guys know what a line leader is at school, right? Who, who wants to be the line leader? Ashton, can you be my line leader? All right, come on up. Everybody in, in line behind Ashton. He's going to be our line leader. Ashton is representing Jesus today, so no pressure, Ashton. But you're going to get behind Ashton. And you know at school, kids, right? When you have a line leader, the line leader is supposed to get you from point A to point B with nobody getting left behind and nobody getting lost. Now, what would happen if you had a line leader? Yep, everybody coming right behind Ashton here, right in the middle. Good work, you guys. What would happen at school, you guys, if you had a line leader and you said, no, I'm not going to follow the line leader. I'm going to go do whatever I want. Teacher's going to get after you, right? What if you insisted on getting ahead of the line leader? Jesus is going to be like, no, go to the back of the line. They're the line leader. You follow them, right? It's very, very important. That's the way you get where you're going. Now, Ashton, I just want you to walk them around and lead them through the church just a little bit, all right? Just walk wherever you want to go, and you guys just follow the leader, all right? Just follow. Keep your eyes on the line leader. Keep your eyes on Jesus, all right? Way to go, Roshni. You guys can slow down. Just slow up a little bit. Make sure everybody stays with. Good job. Okay, freeze. Good. Now look, everybody's close to Jesus, right? Because you're following Jesus. You're right behind him. He's the line leader. Now I want you to go again. And this time, kids, you're allowed to run wherever you want. Just for a few seconds, all right? Go. Just take off. You're, you're all the line leader. You're all your own leader. Just run wherever you want. Okay, freeze. How far are you away from Jesus? Locate Jesus. Yeah, we've all gotten quite a ways away. Some of us can barely see Jesus, right? It's very, very important. You guys can have a seat. Thanks, Ashton. Thanks for being Jesus. Very, very important that we get this thing right. He's the leader. We're the followers. We go where he says. We go where he leads, not the other way around. We don't say, hey, Jesus, come follow me. I got this great idea. No, no, no. Nothing worse than getting out ahead of Jesus. Nothing worse than going off in your own direction away from Jesus. He's the leader. So part of the cost of following Jesus is just giving up control. 
saying like, look, I'm not in control, Jesus. I'm, I'm watching you. I'm imitating you. I'm being apprenticed to you, not the other way around. So whatever you say, I do, not the other way around. So we follow Jesus. There's the cost of following Jesus. We deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we follow Jesus. It's a pretty steep price to be paid, right? And I think Jesus gets that. He knows it's costly to follow him, and that's why I love Jesus so much. He never hides anything from us. He never hides anything in the fine print. How many of you have had a salesperson before? that they were really excited to tell you about something and they were showing you this and that. And then you started asking a few too many questions and they started getting a little nervous and hesitant and they were trying not to go there and you found out, oh, there's costs here you didn't tell me about, right? And you're like, why do you got to lie to me? Why do you got to hide things from me, right? Just tell me the truth up front. And Jesus always, always does that. He tells us the truth up front. And kids, I hope you understand that about Jesus. And I hope you understand that about us at Life Church that we're always going to tell you the truth. Following Jesus is very, very costly. And so he lays it out plainly here for us, but he doesn't just leave us with the costs. No, he helps us to answer the next question Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Because, like we said at the beginning, one of the big questions we have to ask before we sign up for anything, whether it's you know, the dance team or Team Jesus is, is this going to be worth the cost of doing it, right? Is it going to be worth the cost? And Jesus helps wrestle through this with us. You know, obviously, we remember lots of people in the Bible loved hearing Jesus. He was magnetic. He was brilliant. He did unbelievable miracles. And so they were all excited about following Jesus. And then they heard about the cost, and they're like, ah, I don't think I can do that. It's a little too costly, Right? So they left. Jesus knows this is costly. He knows you're going to be wrestling with this. After you hear about the cost, he knows you're going to be thinking, is this worth it? And so look what he does. The question of discipleship, verse 35. He starts off with this this kind of riddle almost. He says, forever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So he says, let's say you don't want to pay the cost of following me. Let's say it's too steep for you, too high of a price. And so you want to save your life. You're just going to grip it and white-knuckle it, and you're going to hold on to it for all you got. The bummer of that plan is you're going to lose it anyway. You're actually going to lose it anyway. And conversely, if you give up your life for my sake and for the gospel, you're going to save it. So saving is losing. Losing is saving. Interesting, right? Weird. It's paradoxical. But then Jesus looks us in the eye and he asks us a very important question. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So it's like this. Let's say you won the lottery or you got this incredible inheritance, $10 billion. You have more money than you're ever going to use, more money than you ever know what you're going to do with. And the next day you walk outside and you get hit by a bus. I don't know why it's always a bus in these scenarios, but it's a bus. And you die. How much do you now have? Zero dollars. You have nothing because you died and you can't take anything with you, right? That's what Jesus is saying. What does it profit a person if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Like you have this one puny little life that can be taken from you at any single moment. Just a breath, just a vapor of a life. You're like grass, the Bible says. You're here today and you're gone tomorrow. And you're grasping for the things of this world. You're trying to hold on so dearly to the things of this life. Jesus says, you're going to lose it anyway. Why not? Why not put your life into me? 
Why not come follow me? Give up that puny little life, that puny little vapor of a life, and then get eternal life, everything that can never be taken from you. Why not give up what you can't keep to gain that which you can never lose? Isn't that a better investment? That's what Jesus is is saying here. Jim Elliott said these exact words. You know, he was a missionary, and we've, we've talked about him before. One of the most famous missionaries of the 20th century. Um, and him and his four friends, uh, they were all speared to death, trying to reach the Alca Indians of Ecuador. And um, their wives went on to reach these people. It's amazing. Amazing, amazing story. But Jim said before he was killed, he knew that they were trying to reach a very violent tribe, incredible homicide rates among these natives. And he said this. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool. Sometimes you'll feel like a fool following Jesus. You'll feel like, man, I'm giving up everything for Jesus. He's like, well, you can't keep it anyway. And you're gaining what you can never lose. So the answer to the question, is it worth it? Of course it's worth it. You're giving up your puny little life that you cannot keep anyway, and you're gaining eternal life that can never, ever be taken from you. You're gaining the entirety of the riches of Christ, Paul talks about. Whatever was to your, to your gain, you've counted loss for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So the answer is absolutely, it's worth it. Following Jesus is hard, it's difficult, it's costly, but it's absolutely worth it. You're giving up what you can't keep to gain that which you can't lose. And finally, the power for discipleship. Let's say you say, okay, Pastor Dave, I agree. Um, it's worth it. But where do we get the power to live like this? Where do we get the power to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Jesus? That's not natural. It's not easy. Well, of course, when Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit to give us power, right? His disciples before the Holy Spirit and after the Holy Spirit, night and day difference. Peter went from being a chicken to being crucified upside down. That's the difference of the Holy Spirit. But additionally, we get the power by looking at the one who did all of this for us first. See, friends, before you ever gave anything to Jesus, he gives you all of himself, right? Before you ever denied yourself, he denied himself, left his throne in heaven, and came to be born as a baby in a humble stable to be poor. Before you ever took up your cross, he took his cross, carried it up Golgotha, and died on it for your sins. And before you ever followed him, he followed the plan that he and the Father and the Holy Spirit had designed so long ago to save you. See, friends, Jesus, is, he, as a great leader, he would never call you to do something that he hasn't already done first for you. When you realize the depth of love that Jesus had for you, that he would give his own self for you, it makes you say, man, I just wish I had something more than this puny little breath of a life to give back. I just wish, I wish I had 10 lives to give to him, Right? I would give anything for him. Look at all he he laid himself out for me. He gave everything for me. You say what the hymn writer Isaac Watts says, we're the whole realm of nature mine. In other words, if I had the whole world, if I owned everything, that were a tribute far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Let's give him that. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this scripture. We understand, Lord, it's going to be costly to follow you. We understand that there is a real price to be paid, but that in giving up our lives, we gain everything. And I pray that that truth would go deep down in the hearts of our kids, 
We thank you for each one of them here today. I pray that that truth would go into our hearts, Lord. We're still, as grown-ups, trying to grasp what this means. We're trying to grasp what it means to be your disciple, to follow you, to be on Team Jesus. So we pray you would lead us into that today. We love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name.